Good evening, everyone. And if you're visiting with us, we're appreciative of your presence here and we'd like to invite you back to every opportunity you can be here with us. Uh, we're a church family. We're trying to serve Jesus the best we can with the help of his spirit in us and his holy word and the encouragement we receive from one another. And you can be a part of that as well. So uh, thank you for coming here. Um, and I want to say happy anniversary to Highland Heights. Today marks 73 years the congregation had its first worship service over there on 505 North Cumberland Street. And uh, so I thought that's pretty neat. It was January 7th, 1951. So today is January 7th, 2024. So time flies when you're having fun. So, Okay. Um, there's nothing that influences our lives like television and internet. A few years ago, you didn't say internet, but now that's probably as much as television or maybe more. People are kind of doing away with cable and going to streaming services and whatnot, getting their news, not from newspapers, but from the internet sites. Um, and that can be good, <laughs> uh, but not always. Uh, before cable TV came along, usually you just had the evening, evening news, and it was about a half hour long, and 10 minutes of that half hour was probably commercial, so you had about 20 minutes. And basically, you just kind of got the, the general gist of some major points that were going on in the, in the country, and that was it. There wasn't, people didn't really debate news or maybe politics so much, and you know, it was just, just kind of informative, and that was it. But after cable TV came along, and these news channels have 24 hours they have to fill their airtime, they have to come up with all kinds of things. And um, if they just talk about good news, people aren't going to listen. <laughs> so they want to bring in all the, the most uh, destructive information they possibly can and get people riled up and uh, pit people against people and and accuse people of things, and uh, it's in our human nature. We like conflict as long as we think we can win. Uh, you know, as long as your football team is number one in the polls or in the playoffs, whatever, you know, and you have really think we can, you know, you enjoy that. But if you think you're going to get creamed, you don't want to watch that game. You'll just go do something else. And uh, people like boxing. They like martial arts. They like all kinds of things with conflict. The best movies are all about conflict and how they, in the end, come out alive. And so the cable news is kind of like uh, soap operas, uh, only disguised as news. And so they just go on and on. Uh, I, I probably follow a little bit too much. I try not to get too wrapped up in that. But uh, for the last three and a half years, all I hear about is who's going to be the next president. It's like, well... That's fine, but what about now? What are we doing now to make things better for our country? And they just talk about, you know, who's ahead and who's going to win and who might and things. Well, we'll just wait and see. But uh, anyway, news can be good, but it can also have its negative side. And then you've heard over the last several years the term fake news. Well, it's really true. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on our airwaves that are they're not true and get people riled up and uh, it's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately. Uh, you heard the term we never, I don't think I ever heard the term misinformation before. I know when, uh, I don't want to get into politics, but Hunter Biden's laptop was left at a computer repair shop and it came out in the news and 
uh, 52 intelligence guys said this has all the earmarks of Russian misinformation or, or maybe disinformation, okay? There's another term that comes up. And you say, well, what's the difference between misinformation and disinformation? Well, uh, misinformation is, are things that you think that are true, but they're not. And disinformation are things that you know they're not true, but you say them anyway. And so uh, that's kind of what we're, you know, all the jumble and all the fights and everything. And I didn't realize, I, I lived in Brazil all those years, and uh, we didn't have access to television and uh, newspapers and things. And so when the Internet came out, uh, I wanted to see some American news, see what was going on, if the United States was still standing. And, and so I saw a website, MSNBC, and I remembered, well, I remember NBC growing up. So I'll watch that. You know, that was the only th source of my news was MSNBC. And uh, I didn't realize it was kind of a far out uh, news channel because that's all I watched. That's all I knew of. And so I thought everything that they said there was correct. And uh, one day I got corrected very, uh, you know, efficiently. One day somebody got all over me for watching MSNBC, but it was like, well, that's, I, I thought all news uh, stations were the same. But anyway, so we have misinformation, disinformation. Now, it's not a new thing. Disins disinformation goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Remember when the serpent says to Eve, uh, did God really say you can't eat of you know, all the fruit? And they, they said, well, we can't eat of this. She's, we'll, we'll die if we do. And he said, oh, you won't die. You'll just become smart like God. You'll just know everything. And that was disinformation because he knew that was not true, but he was telling Eve uh, the, that anyway. And then we have misinformation. The Apostle Paul, uh, he really thought he was doing God's business by persecuting the church. He participated in the stoning of Stephen. He was asking for permission to go out and hunt down Christians and bring them in and put them in jail and, and persecute them. And he says in 1 Timothy 1.13 that he did that out of ignorance. He thought it, what he was doing was right, but it wasn't right. And so we still have a lot of misinformation. I, I think we probably have disinformation religiously as well, but probably more misinformation than anything in, in our world today. And, and if there's anywhere we need correct information, it's in our, our spiritual lives and our spiritual journey. What does the Bible say? And so how do you know what to believe? You hear a lot of things, and, and people say that all the time. Well, how do you know which church is right? They're, they all say they're right. Or, or how do you know what's true? And, and they just go on. But rather than search out for correct information, they just kind of like use that as an excuse. Well, I don't have to, I don't have to search out uh, true biblical doctrine because there are differences of opinion. And so I can just sit here in my ignorance and that excuses me. Well, that's why God gave us the Bible so we can know what his will is for our lives. Now, Everything I say tonight, I want it to be heard in the spirit of love. And I'm going to say some things I, I'd rather not say. I'd rather not. But unfortunately, the reality of our lives is there are things we've got to talk about. Uh, I appreciate so much Jeff's message this morning, besides being from an elder. But he said things we needed to hear as a congregation, as individual Christians. And it was a blessing. Thank you, brother, just for that. But real love means that sometimes we have to say some pretty tough things. You know, if you look through the history of the prophets, they got stoned and killed because people didn't like what they were saying. But we want to know what God wants for our lives. We don't care if it hurts. 
if it, you know, it, it disappoints me, or if it, you know, makes me feel guilty or what, I want to know what God wants for my life. So I'm going to say, share some things tonight that, uh, that are, they're not pleasant, but they're true. And we need to understand them and we need to share them with other people. Well, first of all, last month, Pope Francis, he permitted priests to bless unmarried couples and same-sex couples. Now you think, what? How could that be? That's crazy. What? When he first was inaugurated as, as Pope about 10 years ago, he'd gone to Brazil, and I saw his first interview there, and uh, somebody asked him about uh, homosexuality, and he said, well, who am I to judge? But you're the Pope. You're, in your religion, you're the one who's speaking for God and setting everything. And it was just like, what? Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. If the world's accepting those kind of things, that doesn't mean that we do. We've got to stand up stronger than ever. And I know that these young people coming up today, they hear it so much. You get to where you're not even repulsed by it. You don't like it, you don't feel comfortable with it, but you just, oh, whatever. But that's wrong. And even the Catholic Church itself. Now, Germany was upset because he didn't bless same-sex marriages, He's, okay? Uh, Pope Francis said now that the blessing of same-sex couples, it's not the same as a marriage in the eyes of the church, okay? They consider that one of the seven sacraments. Um, but uh, it's, so the, in Germany they were upset because they didn't go far enough. But in Latin America and in Africa, they're upset that he came up with that. They say, that can't be. The church has been against those kind of relationships for the last 2,000 years. How can you do that? And so nobody's happy with what he's saying. He's trying to do that to be inclusive, to make everybody feel comfortable. And, and I don't say this uh, with any meanness of spirit. I, I attended Catholic church for about a year before I became a Christian. I lived with a Catholic family. I lived in the world's largest Catholic country for 32 years. I taught Catholicism in, in leadership training school. I taught at a Catholic university. Uh, I've, I've spoken at Catholic graduations, university graduations. I've had a lot of contact with some wonderful people, okay, and some very serious and dedicated people, but it's still not right. And I blame the leadership above all because they... They could, be, they could be straightening out and teaching people and helping them to understand God's will, but, but they don't. What they're concerned about more than anything, and even the head of the doctorate for, for the Catholic University in Minas Gerais, he was educated in the Vatican, and he said to me, he said several times that the Catholic Church does this so people will be, stay in the Catholic Church. And that's horrible. And, and I asked him, well, why don't you leave? He said, no, but I took a vow of celibacy, a vow of poverty, and a vow of dedication to the Catholic Church. So, in other words, I can't leave. So, it, it's just not right. It's horrible. And that's, that's the way the world, there are 1.3 billion people that are associated with the Catholic Church. And it's masquerading as spirituality, as something that pleases God and makes people feel uh, comfortable doesn't matter how I live my life, but I've got religion. In Brazil, the second largest religion there is spiritism, is what's called. And uh, so the Catholic Church even allows it's It's more like voodoo. It's, a lot of it's got African origins and some French origins. But the Catholic Church will let you use their, their buildings as long as they say they're Catholic. 
And it's just, I, 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 I'm not saying this to, to bash anybody, but, but to point out the things in the name of God that are wrong. So I, tonight I want to say two main things about uh, the, the Pope's declaration that priests are allowed to bless uh, couples that are not married and couples that are living in same-sex relationships. First of all, I want to say that the Pope, the term Pope or, or the position of Pope, Holy Father as he's called by many, is not found in the Bible. There's no, nowhere that we have that. The church is organized by a local leadership overseen by elders or shepherds or bishops or uh, presbyters, different names, but for the same function, those who, who have watch over the local congregation. And that's all. That's, there's, there's not a hierarchy. There's not a headquarters of the church. And uh, that doesn't exist. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 15 through 18, talking about Jesus being the head of the church, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. It's Jesus. The Catholic religion teaches that the Pope, when he's speaking as the Pope, he's infallible. He can't make a mistake. He can't say anything that's wrong. And that he speaks for God on earth. And his word is more important, more authoritative than the scriptures that we have inspired here for us. And also they teach that the tradition, first of all, the Pope's word, and then the tradition of the church, the Catholic church, and then in third place we have the scriptures. And that's not right. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, people were, he was performing the miracles to prove that he was God, and so he asked the disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. And, and he said, but no, who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, makes that great confession. You are the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus blesses him for that. And tell him that that was revealed to him from heaven. And upon that fact, upon that, that rock, that foundation, that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus said, I will build my church. But people have retroactively tried to make that fit into a papal a declaration of a papal authority that Peter, Jesus was making Peter the head of the church. And that's not what that Bible, that, that passage teaches. And so then they try to, even though... Uh, I'll talk about this here in a few minutes, but uh, they tried to, to make it sound like Jesus made Peter the first pope, and then they have succession all the way down to uh, Pope Francis. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says that there is no other foundation for the church than Jesus Christ. It's not Peter. He's not the foundation. Peter had some, some pretty important role. He was an apostle. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was used by God on the day of Pentecost to announce the gospel to the Jews. And in Acts chapter 10, they announced the gospel to the Gentiles. God used him as he used others. But, but only Jesus is the foundation of the church. And then also, we don't see Peter in the scriptures being exalted above the other apostles. In 1 Peter uh, Peter himself says, I'm, just a, I'm, a, I'm an elder like my fellow elders. 
And in Acts chapter 15, there was a problem in the church. They were trying to decide whether or not the first Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians. And there was some debate about that. And so, so they went from Antioch down to, to Jerusalem to talk with the church, to talk with the elders, with the rest of the apostles. And they got together and, uh, and, and prayed about it. And God revealed to them that no, Gentiles didn't have to become Jews before they could become Christians. And then they asked them to abstain from sexual immorality, meats offered to idols, from eating blood, and animals have been strangled. But just so they wouldn't offend the Jewish culture, they said, because Moses is read in those, those communities. Those, and so out of respect for them, but, but they didn't, they could have, if Peter were the, was the head of the church, they could have just asked Peter, Peter, you speak for God, just tell us what. But no, they had to meet with all of the apostles and the elders in the church and pray about it, and God revealed it to them. Peter wasn't exalted above him. As a matter of fact, open your Bible up to Galatians chapter 2. I want to read those three verses there. And a situation, just because a person was, a, was a, an elder or a, an apostle didn't mean that he didn't have uh, struggles. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 beginning at verse 11. Paul writes, but when Cephas, Cephas is another name for Peter, okay? But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Peter had done something wrong. He had sinned. This is after he's been baptized. He's a full-blown apostle. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James... In other words, before some Jews arrived, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. In other words, he acted one way with the Gentiles, but when Jewish people showed up, he kind of backed off, kind of like, well, I don't really have a lot to do with these guys. Paul says that's wrong. That's racism. Verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So I'm not saying this. God left this in his word to tell us that, of course, we are all sin. We all fall short of the, the glory of God. We all need forgiveness. Jesus died for us. We live by grace through faith. But, but Peter wasn't infallible. He wasn't the Pope. He wasn't the Holy Father. He wasn't... The, the authority of God on earth. And then last of all, if you study church history, you'll see that Boniface III, uh, he was declared universal bishop in 607 AD. That was the first time that universal bishop, in other words, he's the, the pope, the, 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 made, the top authority over all the church. And he also made it so that you couldn't even talk about a new pope while this pope was living or else you'd be excommunicated from the church and you couldn't talk about a new pope until after three days after he had died. And that's still the way uh, they, they conduct business to this day. So the, the term pope or holy father is not a scriptural office or doctrine. Jesus said to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now Jesus said that. But yet, there's something, again, in our inner nature. We don't want to accept that. No, if somebody says they're religious, even though we can see it clearly, but it just doesn't feel right to condemn somebody that's so religious or some religion. It's like, well, that's not right. We, everybody should be accepted. But Jesus said no. 
And he also said that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out devils, demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So people can be religious, but in the end, if they don't do God's will, Jesus won't accept us. So the first thing I want to say is that the Pope, the term Pope or Holy Father is not a scriptural officer doctrine. The second thing is that homosexuality is a sin and cannot be condoned. Now, obviously, Jesus teaches us to love everyone, to love the sinner, but not the sin, not to accept it. In our, in our effort to love people, it, it, it demands us to tell them that they're wrong, that they need to change, or else they can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. How can you condone same-sex relationships? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul also writes to Timothy, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So the Bible's clear, and we could talk about all kinds of Old Testament passages where God clearly, clearly condemns same-sex relationships. Galatians 1, 8 says, but even if we, Paul's writing, even if, one, even if an apostle, and if Pope Francis believes he's an apostle, it says, even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Those are severe words, strong words. Uh, here's some picture of Carnival in Brazil there on the left and uh, a priest putting a, a cross and ashes on this lady's forehead. Uh, ash Wednesday is uh, the, the day that a period of actually 46 days uh, uh, of fasting, supposedly fasting and prayer, we call the Lent period in the Catholic religion. And uh, if people practice that, that's a good thing to, you know, pray and fast and dedicate yourself. And we could talk a whole lot about that. You don't count the sun Sundays, but during that time on Fridays, you're not supposed to eat meat. 
on Ash Wednesday and on Good Friday, you're only supposed to have one complete meal and two partial meals that won't add up to one complete meal. But, uh, and everybody should choose other things to uh, give up for Lent and everything. But, uh, but four days before Ash Wednesday, or actually in Brazil it's five, uh, people start uh, celebrating the, the carnival period. It's kind of like Mardi Gras, only on steroids. And the whole country for four days, five now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and up till midday, up till noon on Wednesday, uh, are out in the streets and uh, drinking and drugs and nudity and everything you could imagine, okay? F just night and day. And the TV starts showing all the, you know, all the, the goings on. Well, it's supposed to end at noon on Ash Wednesday. One year, people didn't stop at noon. They went on 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon until they stopped. Well, the archbishop gets on television, on radio, and he rants up and down. He, he goes on and on for 45 minutes. How you can't do that. You desecrated a holy day and, and whatnot. But not once did he condemn the things that they were doing during those four or five days before. Not once. He had an opportunity to talk about that, but that wasn't important. The important thing is you disrespected a holy day. And so it's, it's, it's just hypocritical. They don't care how you live as long as you say, I'm a Roman Catholic. And, and I don't mean to sound offensive, but I, I, we need to be aware of that to help people uh, to, to come out of that. We want to do the will of the Father. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. We, we want to do God's will. That's why you're here. I want to do God's will. But we need each other's help, and there's a lot of people around us that need help. Good, honest, sincere, dedicated people, maybe much more dedicated than we are, but they need to understand the will of the Father. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for hearing our prayers and blessing us so much and, and allowing us to trust in you. And Father, I pray that you give us wisdom uh, to help those that are, uh, have, are, are living with misinformation, Father, that have been raised in, in such a way that they can't see anything else. And uh, we pray that, Father, you help us to help them in, in whatever way we can. And we pray, Father, above all, that we would be good examples for the world around us, that they would see Jesus in us and, and that your name would be glorified. We pray all this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.